Uh, professor? Yeah. Yes, sir. Come on. Come on in. All right. Hey. Hey, uh, you got any uh, trash in here you need taken out or oh, swept up or anything? Yeah, the the wastebasket has some has some rubbish in there. Oh, right. like okay. Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that for you. How you doing today? Oh, I'm I'm doing fine. Just finishing up grading these midterms. Mid midterms. Okay. Hey, I noticed on the on the on your door there it said psychology. Psychology, professor. Psychology? Yes, I'm a professor of psychology. Been doing it for twelve years. That's great. I gotta tell you what. I don't mean any disrespect or anything, but I just I don't know if I really put much stock into that psych, psychiatry psychology stuff. Oh yeah, what's what's your major beef with it, sir? Well, I just I haven't really seen any evidence that anybody can can really pull that off or knows what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Pull that off? It's just the study of human behaviors. Well, no, I mean you know like y'all predict stuff. I don't. I mean I don't know what your particular method is, whether or not you use cards uh, or crystal ball. I, I see. Oh, sir, I think you're confusing uh, psychology with like psychic and the paranormal and oh. things like that. That's well, a, that's not what we do here. Well, tomato, tomato. I'm, I don't know what you're talking about. It's all the same to me. So, I mean, like, can you, like, demonstrate something for me? I've never really talked to one of you guys before, personally, you know? Like, tell me something about myself that, that like, only, only I would know or something. Okay. Okay. I can have fun with this. Okay, yeah. All right. So, let me, let me, um, let me get my powers attuned here. Oh, okay. And, and, this is and cool, man. stare into your past, present, and future. All right. Let's see what you got. So, I would say that you are... You live close, which yeah. uh, there's a trailer park n- nearby. I would say you live there. Uh, you've probably been through several um, unproductive relationships, and now you're probably currently single, living with uh, m- numerous small animals. Holy shit. You, sir, are a Rembrandt. Us psychics are, are good. Oh, my God. I now, mean, how, how did you get that information? Did it just come into your brain, like, yeah. through a... Sorry, sorry. I, I I feel bad now. I'm I'm putting you on. I have I, psychic and psychology is two different things. We we don't have any special powers. All we do is study human emotions and behaviors. That's that's what we do. We're, we don't do paranormal crystal balls, tarot cards, and things like that. That's uh, those are psychics. So you're putting me on. Yeah, I was just I was just messing with you, sir. I, I apologize. Well, what what if I told you I know a little something you don't know about yourself? Oh, now I'm intrigued. Uh, you're married, aren't you? I am married. Yeah, and uh, every Tuesday, does your wife go out to a bowling league and stay gone for about three and a half hours? <laughs> she does. Yeah. How did you know that? Well, because every once in a while, she swings by my trailer, and we practice on that seven ten split. <laughs> your Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Welcome to Donna Mantis. If you want to find us online, you can go to www.donnamantis.com. Also, you can find us on Twitter at Dawn of Mantis. I've been tweeting a little bit, so check those tweets and read tweets. And uh, if you want to retweet our tweet, that'd be awesome. What have you been? What have you been tweeting? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Just, just I don't. I can't even tell you. <laughs> just uh, yeah, that's how that's how important social media is. Uh, Ten minutes after you're done with it, what, yeah. what'd you do on there? Oh, I don't know. 
Oh. I don't remember. It's like, I, I want to get a Twitter account now. What if I do that and I go on Ivan's been like, Joey smells like ass, LOL. <laughs> it's like, man, you didn't tell me. The you're... podcast room was especially stinky tonight. <laughs> but all in all, we had a pretty good episode. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my last tweet. Joey brought his work home with him today. <laughs> Not cool. Well, I try to shower every second Tuesday. One more night of talking about depressing serial killers. <laughs> Tweet. And then you have like the gun emoji next to the head emoji. Like, kill me now. Why do I continue to do this to myself? No, no. All positivity from my social media. Uh, <laughs> unlike most people's social media, um, the chance to throw someone under the bus. Yeah. Yeah. I almost tweeted something out today. Not really tweeted, but Facebooked. That's not as cool. But uh, I was mad at a financial institution uh, because we. We, uh, I'll give you some personal stuff. Sure. Uh, we made a payment, and then we thought, well, let's pay some more towards that card just to pay it down a little bit. So we had two like big giant payments that went to this card. So the first payment went in, awesome, and, yeah. and posted right. And so the next payment didn't, and we're like, what the heck? So we look on our bank account, and it says processing. And so I called the company. It was like, yeah, uh, it was like a lot of uh, suspicious activity because you made two big payments. So we're processing that, and it won't post until January 30th. What? And yeah, I was like, well, I want it back then. It's like, no, you can't have it back. So it's just limbo. It's just uh, floating. I like, yeah, I was like, well, I'll call my bank tomorrow and get them to, to pull it back. And it's like, well, we don't think they can do that. I was like, listen, if I make a payment, <laughs> like that should just be the payment, and it should just be posted. I mean, what are you going to investigate for like four or five days? It that does. doesn't make any sense. No. It's like. Uh, you know, the same place that we always make the payment from, the same card. It's just such a, I, I get it, some p- kind of protection thing. I mean, or maybe they're going to send DEA to my house. Make sure I'm not a drug dealer. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, it's very frustrating because, uh, I don't know, if, if, uh, if you know, their billing stuff comes out instantly, you know, or if you use the card, it, it goes on there instantly, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. A lot of times, yeah, I don't understand that. Actually, my conspiracy theory is is I only got the card because they got this cash back thing. So we've been paying it way b- before it's due. So we get this cash back because if you let it go past, you don't get the cash back. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. we've been using it to kind of make some money uh, just b- based on our spending. So my conspiracy theory is that they're going to try to hold that payment and make it go past the day so they don't so we don't get our two percent it's a much. good theory yeah it's a good and theory it made me so mad because the lady was kind of like she kind of chuckled when i said that really uh, it's like i'm sorry but that just feels like that's what you're doing oh you told her that what yeah, you oh, yeah i told her that <laughs> oh we are officially middle-aged men <laughs> here's what i think's happening you commie bastards yeah, that's what I. That's what I. Uh, I peaked there, didn't I? A little bit. I turned it down a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to I peak got a little every excited. once in a while. I got a little excited. Uh, I, I was peaking earlier too, but when I laughed, but uh, <laughs> it's it just made me feel like that. It's irrational. Uh, speaking of irrational behavior, I wonder what psychology would say about my behavior. <laughs> I like that. Are we working on our uh, our segue skills? You had the good segue in the take that we can't use because our computer oh, crashed. Guys. I'm jealous. Joey had a really good segue in our last little take, and we recorded for like 10 minutes, and then our computer crashed, and we lost all that. Yeah. So I thought, hey, this this little take, I'm going to have the, the crafty segue. There you go. And you did. I, no, I did not. I failed. I didn't <laughs> like it. 
Oh, come on. Have a little more faith in yourself. Okay. I don't even remember my segue. I just remember it was kind of cool. But yeah, it was kind of cool. It's lost now. Yeah. Yeah. We were like mid-sentence and the and the earbuds go, bing. Yeah. And Ivan's like, we lost it all. Yeah. Yeah. We lost was, it all, Joey. That was sad. That's only ever that happened twice, sad. though, in 63 episodes. Yeah, that's not too bad. So, yeah, it's not More bad. than that, really. I mean, if you count the other ones. 75 episodes. Yeah. 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 Man, we've done that 75 goddamn times, Ivan. I remember the first, the first episode we ever did, episode zero, that <laughs> is never released for you guys. Yeah. Uh. We're like, how you doing tonight? Oh, doing good, doing good. How about you, Joe? I have a headache. That was it. <laughs> so that's yeah. how it all started. Yeah, we I had was like, nothing. oh, and I was like, did you take something for it? <laughs> oh yeah, I took some ibuprofen. But you know, it was kind of like thirty seconds of like, oh no, we're gonna suck at this. But you know what? Like right after that, it was like, and then it all felt cool, and it just flowed on for forty-five minutes. Yeah, no notes. We just. And and I remember too because I'd already quit smoking and then I had just quit drinking Dr Pepper. Oh, so yeah. I was having caffeine withdrawals. Yeah, I just bitched yeah. about that a lot. Yeah, so I don't know. It was it was a good start. Yeah. So time. actually, that was the very very first, right? That was the very first try, and that was probably three years ago. Yeah, or something like that. That's I mean, when we was... were going to be called because we both have red beards. We we're going to be called Dash of Din- Ginger. Yeah, Ginger, Dash of Ginger. That's kind of hard to say. Uh, and, and your, your little tagline in the intro was like, is this a cooking show? Yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. We didn't keep any of it. Yeah. <laughs> Just on the way, on the way to school this morning, Lexi was like, where'd you get Dawn of Mantis? Oh Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, honey, all the other good names were, t- were taken. Yeah, they were literally, they were. I, I don't know I how think it- it's like you, you, uh, it's not the name so much as what you make it. It's, you know, it's like if somebody names you Augie, you know, it's like, okay, I'm Augie. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, what's the big deal with that? I'm yeah. going to be the coolest Augie you've ever met. Yeah. It's like that with bands. Oh you, yeah. You only don't think about it like sure. Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, oh, they're that's awesome. A, that's not a good name. But if you were just starting a band, what's your name? Smashing Pumpkins. Someone would be <laughs> like, that is the stupid assest yeah. name Foo I've Fighters? ever heard. Yeah. yeah. Actually, Foo Fighters is kind of Foo I, Fighters is pretty It's cool. kinda it's so, you know, speaking of like psychology, I mean, if we're in metacognition, we're thinking about thinking. But it's hard to say, like, would you like that band name if somebody just came up to you? It's, you know, in some cases you'd be like, no, that's so stupid. Or in some cases you'd be like, oh, that's a pretty cool band name. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I almost think Foo Fighters would be a cool band name. You know, another one I'm speaking of, cause it's directly related to Nirvana. Yeah. That's just the, that's the best band name. Yeah. That's such a badass that's pretty, band name. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 That's a cool band name. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another example like that. That you would just you would think it's cool just the second you hear it. Well, I mean, for what they do, I'm not their biggest fan, but Metallica. That's, that's a, a cool pretty name. good. That's a pretty good name. And you I know mean, what it is when you hear it, Metallica. Yeah, you're not like, oh, is that a polka band? Or yeah. no, you know that's like a Goo Goo Dolls. Maybe not so much. That's bizarre. I swear to God, I was just thinking Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> I promise you. I promise you. I, I totally believe that. That is so weird. You yeah. email. I emailed you. Hey, it, speaking of stuff like that, I still remember this guy I went to high school with. And I, we could almost make a character. He could almost be a next another character in Napoleon Dynamite. Because, I mean, Napoleon Dynamite, I think, was so good because it's almost like I can't put my finger on it, but that guy was some guy that I went to high school with, you know? Yeah. And the brother was somebody that I knew, kind of. Oh, yeah. And it, even Uncle I think Rico, that's why man. Resi- Uncle Rico. I mean, there's a lot of Uncle Ricos out there. <laughs> 
uh, if coach would have put me in fourth quarter. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Anyway, uh, this guy, whatever he would, he, I, I heard him do it to numerous people in our class. He was one of those guys like, uh, you know, 13th year senior, senior. So he's in our senior class, but he should have graduated, but he just blew it off because you'll know, you'll know exactly why. Because he would he would go up to somebody and he would say, "Hey, what, what bands do you like?" And you'd say, "Ah, oh, you know, Goo Goo Dolls are pretty. Goo Goo Dolls suck." Yeah. And, and and I heard him do that to other people. What, what's your favorite band? Nirvana. Nirvana sucks. Yeah. It's like, what do you like then, Jack? What do you like? <laughs> what's so awesome to you? I don't think anyone ever asked him. I don't think you know. Everyone is just kind of like, get away, <laughs> get away from me. <laughs> you know, it, it was just. I just remember him asking like five or six people in that class in different time periods i kind of remember a dude like that in like 10th grade and it was weird because he always wore like deep v-neck shirts and he had a lot of chest hair <laughs> like too much for a kid and he smelled like a wet dog it's really weird it's like damn they say this that your bands suck yeah he probably would have that yeah. sounds like that guy. he just looked like he would have yeah. i'd have been like v-neck suck <laughs> chest hair su- oh wait hold on so, yeah, you want to get to what we're talking about tonight? Yeah, yeah. So, look, we got James Gordon Walcott. That sounds like an interesting character. Yeah, he was quite a character. And, by the way, if we if we have another glitch and lose this, I'm just going to flip this table with all our equipment on it and go in the house <laughs> and, and, and drink a glass of uh, 2% milk. All right. All right. <laughs> so, uh, so, we've got james gordon walcott the fantas- the fascinating tale yes james gordon walcott yes so let me read my little opener here all right open and it up this man that we're going to be talking about tonight uh was an esteemed professor and head of millican university's psychology department and uh, was well respected and loved by his students and fellow faculty members alike he had been at the Illinois College for 27 years and had built a reputation as a smart, engaging, and compassionate man, even receiving the university's teaching excellence that is, and leadership award in 1997. St. James, with his barrel-chested physique, spectacles, and gray goatee with slightly less gray ponytail, was a fixture at the university campus. So it came as quite a shock when a Texas journalist named Anne Marie Gardner published an article revealing some disturbing details about Dr. St. James' past in July 2013. Now, James Gordon Walcott and James St. James are the same person. We'll get to that. Disturbing is quite an understatement because it turns out that the beloved educator and mentor to literally thousands of students over nearly three decades had in fact murdered his entire family back in 1967 when he was only 15 years old. But instead of rallying to have the professor removed from Milliken University, students and faculty banded together almost unanimously to stand behind St. James and called for him to continue his tenure at the school. They said St. James' journey from child family annihilator to respected professor was a testament to his rehabilitation and a success story of our mental health system. However, there were a few voices calling for his removal, which, by the way, did not happen. These people claimed that he was instead a cunning and manipulative sociopath who had conned his doctors and an entire court into believing he had been not guilty by reason of insanity when he was actually quite the opposite. So, let's get into the details of what exactly happened and try to get an idea of how this guy could commit one of the most gruesome crimes imaginable, yet go on to not only never re-offend again, but to become a well-liked pillar of the community. 
you know that there had to be some former student that probably didn't finish that was like, I told you, <laughs> I told, I, or I knew it. I said he's probably a murderer. <laughs> Got the creeps from that guy. Yeah, it's just because you, just because he gave you a D, man. <laughs> You're just trying to find fault with the guy because yeah, you, you yeah, didn't yeah. study. Yeah, he didn't show up to class. I love um, how I love how people judge. Speaking of psychology, how people, <laughs> depending on whether or not they like someone, oh yeah, will completely shift sure. on. I heard old Jim did so and so, and if you don't like Jim. <laughs> And you want more reasons not like sure. him. You're like, I knew it, son yeah, of a I bitch. I knew it. Or if you like him, I you're like, that's eh, why yeah, but yeah. you know. I knew we, I didn't like that guy. Ever since I borrowed $200 from it from him and he was mad that I never paid him back, <laughs> I had a bad feeling about that guy. Yeah, I don't like that bastard. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> there was a, there was, I think I stole that from a Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. Oh, really? Because he's like, I can't stand cheap people. Uh, I hate when someone's like, hey, do you have that $20 that you borrowed? Or, hey, what about that $45 you owe me? Man, <laughs> quit being so cheap. <laughs> that reminds me of Austin Powers' father, which is like, <laughs> there's two <laughs> things I can't Dysphagia. stand. People who are insensitive towards other races and other people's cultures and the Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he played that part so well. Yeah. yeah that was awesome. The, all those movies... I don't think there is even a let off between sequels and, you know, the third. And I think there's only three, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're all fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's one of those things that it didn't do well. And then it had a cult following later. Yeah. Um, the good the good ones do that. It's the best ones almost. Yeah. It's, it's funny how that happens. Yeah, it is. I mean, Lebowski, I don't know if it was a hit immediately. i don't think it was immediately no yeah there's several movies that i like that were that followed that same and there's template. only certain movies i can watch over and over again and that's one of them i mean i could watch lebowski oh yeah the same thing with the austin power stuff i mean oh yeah just like let it let it play oh yeah quote lines from it right before they say it it's pretty <laughs> awesome so all right let's go walcott uh let's dive deeper into this guy deeper and deeper james st james was actually born james gordon walcott now, back in the 60s, he and his family lived in the Austin suburb of Georgetown, Texas. Now, his father, Gordon B. Walcott, was a professor at Southwestern University. His sister, 17-year-old Libby, was a bright, well-liked student at Georgetown High School and was expected to become valedictorian. James was also intelligent with a higher-than-average IQ, and he, too, attended Georgetown High School, where he got nearly perfect grades. He was also a peace activist and was active in the Methodist youth work. Now, his mother, Elizabeth, was an outgoing woman who was very active in uh, the social religious circles in the community as well. The Walcotts appeared to be the model American family from the outside and, uh, you know, maybe even believe that themselves. But there had been a storm brewing inside then 15-year-old James. The young man secretly despised his family. He started sniffing glue a few months prior to the murders and had convinced himself that his family was purposefully trying to drive him insane. He contemplated suicide many times, but eventually came to the belief that he wanted to live, and it was his family who wanted him to die. James entertained this delusion until he made a grim decision. In the end, it would either be he or them. James decided it would have to be them. Mm. So he more or so cons he believed that they were conspiring to just drive him mad and drive him insane. Mm. On the evening of August 4th, 1967, James and his sister Libby drove to Austin to attend a rock concert. 
After they got home that night, each went to their respective bedrooms. James huffed airplane glue and festered over how his family was conspiring together. Finally, he had enough. Just after midnight, James grabbed a twenty-two caliber rifle and made his way to the living room. There sat his father, reading James Baldwin's The Fire Next Time in his favorite chair. James approached his father, raised the rifle, and put two bullets in his chest. He then made his way to Libby's room, where he shot her in the chest and then in the face. Finally, James went to his parents' room, where he shot his mother twice in the head and once in the chest. After the murders, James stashed the rifle in the attic crawl space. He then ran outside the house and flagged down a car, yelling, Someone has killed my family. One account has this happening around 4.30 a.m., which, if, if that is true, is kind of astonishing considering the fact that Miss Walcott was still clinging to life when James led the car's occupants into the house. Mm. The authorities were called, but unfortunately Elizabeth Walcott passed away shortly after reaching the hospital. While waiting for the police and ambulance, James sat on the porch yelling, how could this happen, over and over. However, James did not attempt to keep up the ruse for very long. Almost immediately after driving on scene, or arriving on scene, that is, a Texas Ranger looked at him and asked him, son, did you do this? To which James immediately replied, yes, sir, and started recounting in detail the events of that night. James claimed his family was working in concert to drive him crazy, and he hated them for it. He also hated his father for forcing him to cut his long hippie hair, refusing to let him attend peace rallies, and for not even allowing him to wear his anti-war Vietnam buttons around the house. He hated his mother for her obnoxious chewing that was so loud that he had to leave the room, and he hated his sister for her, quote, bad Texas accent. So he, I don't know, he showed signs of trying to cover it up in the beginning by stashing the gun and, you know, doing the whole, like, how could this happen? Someone killed my family. But then the second that anyone of any authority asked him, he was just like, yeah, yeah, I did it. Yeah. I mean, it probably intelligent enough to know, you know, I can't keep this up forever. They're going to figure it out. Um, yeah, I'm, I bet he probably just waited the, all the options and thought, no, nah, I can't do it. He was a smart kid for sure. Yeah. I mean, IQ wise. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Action wise, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) Action wise, I want to say that it's not the brightest. (laughs) But yeah. So after being evaluated by several psychiatrists, it was decided that despite finding that James was more than likely schizophrenic, he was in fact competent to stand trial. His attorney was Will Kelly McLean, and he set up a defense based on legal insanity, which was apparently a good strategy since Walcott was found not guilty by reason of insanity in October of 1967. Uh, Psychiatrists for the court, the defense, and the prosecution all testified that Walcott was paranoid and had delusions of persecution at the time of the murders. This means that the jury believed that at the time of the murders, James was so mentally impaired he had no idea that killing his family was the wrong thing to do. So instead of prison time, he was sent to Rusk State Hospital in Nacogdoches, Texas, to remain until he was deemed no longer insane. This meant that it was totally up to the psychiatrist how long James would be at the facility. He could be found competent to return to society in a month or never, depending on how the doctors saw his progress. So, by the way, since the Walcott verdict, only a handful of Texas murder defendants have been declared not guilty by reason of insanity. This rarely happens because there is no such thing as a mental illness so severe that it completely destroys the killer's appreciation of what he is doing. In the history of Texas jurisprudence, the James Walcott case is an anomaly. Hmm. So, yeah, that's 
it's weird that only a handful, and this is Texas, so it may not be like representative of the whole country, but isn't the like not guilty by reason of insanity? If, if I just been watching too much TV, or does it seem like that defense get gets used a lot? Well, yeah, I mean it does. I mean because that's you know think about it. If you're a defense team, I mean what else could you throw out there? I mean at some point it's like we got to save your skin. What's our best? play and the best play is insanity and it's hard to as someone that kills their family it's hard to argue against the fact that they were insane or they are insane i know that's a slippery slope because i could ted bundy could have pled guilty by reason like who would kill a woman and then make love to her corpse yeah over the course of months if they weren't batshit like it's like one of those things the only time it's not insanity you could argue would be that some kind of premeditated. I mean, I know you hear that a lot like, Oh, well, why do he, why do he have a gun and all these rounds with him at the time? You know, like he drove up and he had all that stuff. Why do he have like duct tape with him or whatever? Yeah. You know, he's not MacGyver. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so, but even then, I mean, it would, it seems like, some kind of grisly murder it's like okay so it was premeditated but could it be premeditated insanity i mean is he just insane you know i don't know it's 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 crazy i mean i'm sure there's you know you'd have to talk to a real like some kind of psychologist that worked with these guys and girls and maybe they'd have a better assessment of when to use it and when not to use it. And, you know, there's, I'm sure opinions abound about this thing. You know, it's crazy. I've always, I've always had the same type of thoughts. Like, oh, wouldn't you have to be insane to do that? Yeah. That's the whole, and I think I've said this before uh, on a, another episode, but I guess you can't be that you can't go by that because then no one would ever be found guilty. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, uh, here's what I'll say. And this is kind of, something I'll probably end up saying later too. At some point you almost have to kind of step back and say, well, there are professionals that have studied this for a long time and they've studied different theorists, you know, psychological theorists that, you know, talk about our behaviors. And there's probably, you know, they come to a, a, a view of consensus that all these experts have, you know, and they spend a long time and, and, you know, a lot of time thinking about different arguments. And, yeah. You know, so, I mean, whenever you have a witness that's, you know, supposed to be like an expert witness, I mean, they really are. I mean, they've spent a ton of time getting their degrees and spending time away from their family and actually, you know, doing their due diligence. I, I think our society... You know, I think we like to discredit that. It's some, you know, um, and this is the classic thing, you know, four heart surgeons, you know, do like a 16 hour surgery and do this crazy procedure that's never been done before. And they save someone's life. And then immediately after it's like, (laughs) you know, oh, thank you. Thank you. You know. I, I get it. I mean, you have your creator that you want to thank, and that's totally fine. But I would hope that you would say, or you would think at least, well, isn't it awesome that those people 
spent that time like being becoming experts in that field. Yeah. And then all of the science and technology, all the technology that assists them in that room, being able to do like some kind of laser thing that, you know, where they don't have to touch anything or some kind of camera system. I don't know. To me, sometimes I think that we're so immersed in science and technology. I think that sometimes we don't think about the sacrifices of, of, you know, work and learning and trial and error and experimentation. I don't think we think about that enough. I mean, think about the amazing things that they can do now, but, but we're kind of, we get to where we're down on society and, you know, we, we see kids staring at a phone all the time and, you know, that's, that's like, oh, society sucks because of that. I mean, that's just one part of society that's a negative part. I mean, the same science technology that made that phone is the same thing that makes some kind of state-of-the-art CAT scan machine, you know? Yeah, we, know. we've talked about that before where people would post on something. You know, we we don't have a cure for this. Like, way to go, science. Or It's like you're <laughs> using a brilliant really innovative yeah. miracle piece of technology yeah. to bitch about the technology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. But yeah, and I get what you're talking about with the surgeons and stuff. That's a little bit annoying. But I've heard some religious folk kind of circumnavigate that by saying, "Well, I God say. God gave them the knowledge and the the ability and to do what they did in the surgery." And you so know what, if even yeah, yeah, you can make I it fit that. any way you want. If I get you really that, want to. but I will say this: in in when in my college days, which they weren't very long ago, you know, less than ten years ago. Uh, but um, you know, I I spent a lot of time studying and reading the textbooks when you're supposed to read the textbooks. I I, I went about it the right way because I was older when I went back. But I do know that they had special library hours where the library'd stay open super late before finals. And I'd been I'd been in there a few times. I'd study at home. I wasn't studying library. But those kids that live on campus, like there would be kids in there at midnight. I mean, cr- you know, just doing their last cramming. little bit of cramming right yeah. before. Um, you know, come on. I mean, give them some credit. I mean these these kids are some of them, not all of them, but some of them are trying to learn and 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 become like a awesome part of society. I mean, the same way. The same way some guy that wires houses, you know, works 60 hours a week and to become an apprentice to actually get his electrical license, because that's a, to the betterment of society. Yeah. I mean, it's just like that type of thing. I don't think, I mean, we, we have a tendency in this part of the country to look at the hardworking guy fondly. And I do too. I mean, I promise you I do. But then sometimes we'll be like, oh, that's just some kid reading a book. It's like. Yeah, but that kid might actually one of these days come up with something that will affect you and a lot of people. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's we we've got to credit hard work in all avenues, I think. And yeah. sometimes we don't. We we I think sometimes we're not very good at that. Yeah, like you're saying the 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 academic hard work might not, yeah. not, not might not receive the it's, same. It's 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 a different and you know when I started teaching it's a different type of exhaustion. I feel like now I'm kind of marathoned to where it doesn't affect me as much. But my first couple of years teaching, I mean, mentally exhausted, you I know, bet. and kind of emotionally, too, because you're trying to have control of these classes. You know, it's a different type of thing. And, you know, I was in the working world before 
because I, I know physical exhaustion too. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say what's worse. I mean, there are days that I, from pulling around pallets full of soft drinks, like I didn't want to do anything when I got home and I wanted to just sit there and go to sleep early. Same thing when I started teaching. It's, but it's just a f- different feeling. I'd rather be physically exhausted than mentally. Well, I honestly would. I'd rather mentally usually comes with some type of negative. Yeah. And you know? stress. And yeah. S- yeah. I've been both and I would rather come home just sore and tired. Yeah. But, but it mentally depends. sound. <laughs> it depends. It depends. Uh, but you, you, I hope that everyone gets there because, because I definitely did to where you're pretty good at leaving it there yeah and like when you know when you're driving home you're not shaking you're so mad it's like you know it's like oh well today wasn't the best but i got tomorrow and i'm gonna you know kind of roll that out and and live live tonight you know well yeah you know (laughs) and and that first first year teachers it's tough and it's tough and another thing it's tough for is like the immune system because you know dude yeah uh, a lot of teachers, I mean, there's data on this. I mean, they miss a lot their first couple of years. Yeah, is it the equivalent of having a kid go start daycare? Because, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and you know that. I was sick more last year. I bet a month didn't go by where I didn't have something yeah. spraying copiously out of some orifice. <laughs> it was a hell of a year. I'm sorry yeah. to be so graphic about no, it. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, it's it's definitely an immu- immune system Holy killer. shit. Um, luckily, I I'd, I'd subbed a lot, and I worked at a daycare a little bit before I started teaching, so it didn't affect me as much. But I see a lot of first-year teachers use a lot of their sick days, and, and that's exactly why. Mm-hmm. They're just not used to it. Well, yeah. And plus, probably some of them are mental health days, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, we get personal days. Um, I, I'm using mine now to build the camper. Yeah. Uh, I took last Friday. I took one. I'm taking one this Friday. Really? Yeah, just where I can <laughs> spend all day. And of course, it rained all day, but I'm in the shop. Right. I took one last Friday as well, but oh, it was that's funny. just for us to go shopping. Oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was up in Fayetteville getting uh, getting stuff at Lowe's. That's awesome, man. Yep. Yeah, we'll update people on the camper, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm building. Uh, we talked about it last episode. I'm building one of those little teardrop campers, um, which I changed mine into a square drop because I was having trouble with the angles. <laughs> I think uh, it looks better arcs. anyway. Anyway. All right, what do we got back on Walcott? So James did very well while he was at Rusk State Hospital. His IQ was found to be at least 134, and it was obvious that he was a very intelligent young man. In fact, James impressed the staff at Rusk so much that he was reevaluated and found sane in 1974, just seven years after the slayings. In fact, Wilson Nykar, I think that's the pronunciation, the chief psychiatric social worker at Rusk Hospital, described Walcott as a dependable, trustworthy, and highly intelligent individual. Mm. In fact, along with the fairly short stay at the hospital, James, being the only surviving member of his family, inherited their estate and began receiving a monthly stipend from his father's university pension fund. Mm. Doesn't that seem weird? Yeah, and you know that one thing that I found out the other day, like you can, uh, you know, you would think that committing suicide would rule you out of life insurance. Not always, right? Yeah, not if you've worked at some place long enough, it that doesn't oh, matter. You, really? Yeah, for this one in particular that I know of. Well, you know, uh, there are also, apparently, what was this guy's, he was a politician, and I can't believe I'm spacing on his name. Uh, he committed suicide. Who's the guy that committed suicide on live television? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that 
because there was like I don't know if it was exactly life insurance, but it was like some kind of he was a politician, a mm-hmm. government official, and it was like a pension or something because. Uh, and someone might correct me if I'm wrong, Bud, Bud Dwyer. Yeah, yeah, Dwyer. Uh, yeah. He, I guess, had been accused of participating. Some kind of racketeering thing. Yeah, yeah. and I th- correct me if I'm wrong, but I think after his death, he was found innocent. The guy didn't do it as far as uh, anything I've ever heard. But anyway, that suicide ensured his family's survival uh they were basically bankrupt from fighting this oh yeah for then this is from what i under my very limited knowledge of the case that sounds that sounds from what i know about it that sounds because i remember watching the video for some reason i did uh which don't i don't rec (laughs) no i don't recommend it at all because it is incredibly graphic yeah i mean the guy whoever was filming who, whatever television cameraman was filming that bore up until the shot, that boring ass. It was just, you know, he was about to go to jail. You know, he had been found guilty of this. And so he called this press conference and he's like, he's handing out these uh, manila envelopes. And, you know, this one's for her. This one's for you. And he's, he's talking about uh, being hunted down by a gulag and this and that. But it was pretty unremarkable. Until he reaches in the last envelope and pulls out that pistol, you know, and but whoever was filming that, this guy zoomed right in because, you know, Bud Dwyer even says, I, I apologize if this disturbs anybody or something to that effect. This, you know, look away and uh, on, the, on one of the comments, I don't know if it's true or not, but someone had commented that that day it had snowed heavily in whatever state they were in and the kids were all out of school on a snow day. So like a ton of kids were actually home watching TV, you know, when that happened. Oh, no. Yeah, that might be bullshit, but that was one of the comments. But anyway, but yeah, he puts the gun in his mouth, pulls the trigger, and the camera guy just zooms in, and it is gruesome. Very actually le- legit disturbing. So Yeah, I, oh, I, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. Don't. I wouldn't suggest, man. <laughs> I thought I could handle it. It's like, no, nah, it's one of those things that sticks with you a few days. That still sticks with Like, if I, if I remember watching it, I still feel <laughs> icky. There's it is a, just bizarre. There's another one that that's messed up. Um, there's kind of a good story at the end of it, though. It was this uh, soccer player that was in some in some foreign country. He was kicked in the neck, and like somebody's trying to kick for the ball, and they kicked real high and kicked him in the neck. And so the title of the video is like "Angel of Death Takes Over" or something. What? And it shows him like do all these like he gets kicked and he just starts acting crazy and like doing like flips and all kinds of stuff but he's like some of it's like he's actually on two feet and he's like rolls over and he's on two feet again and then it shows him and then he just kind of passes out so it's almost like the chicken when his head with his head cut off type no thing. way that's what they're basically saying that's what another country calls it like the angel of death wow. like those convulsions that you have but the good news is, and this isn't 100% confirmed, but if you read down in the comments, some people are saying, like, this is this guy, and he survived from that. It wasn't like a put-on, but, but it, you know, he survived from that, so that wasn't like throes of death or So whatever. the guy did live? I mean, that's what some people in the comments are saying. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, that, I mean, you don't ever know, but, I mean, they were awfully specific in the comments. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people were like, yeah, that's that's bullshit or whatever. Uh, <laughs> anyway, maybe it wasn't, but I that I watched that one time, 
and that messed with my head. You know, I was like, that was weird to see. Yeah, I've accidentally, well, and purposefully at some points, but not anymore. <laughs> I've seen some video like the Faces of Death. Yeah, there are some weird like uh, there. There's several names. There's death throws, and mm-hmm. but there it, there are some weird things that people do as they're dying, and yeah. even that their body does afterwards. That's just downright disturbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very bizarre. Yeah, not but, cool at all. Yeah. So hey, that's that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So, after his release from Rusk, James set up residence back in Austin and enrolled at Stephen F. Austin University, receiving a bachelor's degree in psychology in two years. He then pursued and attained his master's degree, changed his name to James St. James, and by 1980 began his doctoral work in psychology at the University of Illinois. In 1986, Dr. St. James began teaching at Millican University, a Presbyterian liberal arts institution in Decatur, Illinois, and he was head of their psychology department by 1988. As we mentioned in the opening, Dr. St. James enjoyed a long and distinguished career with fellow faculty and students almost unanimously singing his praises, completely unaware of his past. Then, in July of 2013, that Texas journalist we mentioned earlier published the article that revealed St. James' long-held secrets. Mm. But as we stated earlier, what happened next was fairly surprising, at least to a lot of people. Sure, there were several folks calling for James's removal from the university, but the majority stood behind him. The school released this statement shortly after the news of Dr. St. James passed, and it was this. Millican University has only recently been made aware of Dr. St. James' past. Given the traumatic experiences of his childhood, Dr. St. James' efforts to rebuild his life and obtain a successful professional career have been remarkable. The university expects Dr. St. James to teach at Millican this fall. So they, you know what's ironic? Is, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. They're basing what they know and they're basing their reaction off of, like, these people have been working with this guy for almost 30 years. Yeah. So they were, you know, they were basically saying, okay, He did what he did, but the man that I've worked alongside or the man that taught me or whatever, he, uh, we stand by him. Like we've come to know this person, but it's funny because like with this social justice craze, I think it would have almost been worse if a video maybe would have came out or someone would have said that he maybe used the N word or something. (laughs) I'm I'm not even, I'm not even joking. It's funny that. It's funny that you uh, it, that you mentioned that because I was thinking something. I was thinking the social justice warrior type thing. Yeah, I mean it's a good thing this guy didn't. I was going to say something like it's that. a good thing he killed his family instead of just saying. <laughs> Sometimes I just don't think I like Mexicans because, and I guarantee you, if that would have came out, he would have been crucified. Yeah, crucified. Yeah, we we have a strange, uh, yeah, we have a strange culture. Very. There would have been a Twitter <laughs> crowd, a fanatic, just minus the pitchforks, all of they would have Justine Sacco'd his ass. Well, it's, you know, it ha- it it all has to do with this, and and uh, people will label me a liberal for this. It, I think, it has a lot to do with capitalism. I, I can oh, blame capitalism. No. I can blame capitalism for this because think about this. People complain, and then AT&T is like, oh, we're not going to use them as our spokesman anymore. People complain, and then Nike's like, ah, oh, they're not, they don't represent Nike anymore. Yeah. And and think about that. 
you know, it's if people complain, that's just people complaining. But then somewhere, some company's like, oh, that'll affect our numbers. You know? Yeah. Do the, Does that company really care about what that celebrity did? No. I they, don't think so. They care about those numbers. Yeah. And so then Nike will say, okay, well, we're, we're dropping them. You know, he said the N-word 12 years ago uh, at a party, uh, but he was recorded. Anyway, uh, that's not a specific example. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, which you shouldn't say in words at parties. Uh, everyone knows that. Or anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's but true. Yeah. But here's the thing. It's like, because that would affect profit, then it's almost like the, the tail wagging the dog, if you're with me on this. So it's like, people are like, oh, Nike dropped that guy. He must be an evil person, because Nike doesn't want to do business with that guy. Yeah. I like Nike more. I might buy some Nikes. It, but then people that like a f- that confirms the the initial crowd by Nike actually saying that they're dropping the person the initial crowd that said something first like see Nike is Nike is with us yeah they don't believe in that all that stuff that yeah. guy saying that stuff so it's almost like a cycle and money has a, something to do with it yeah that I never thought of it that way that's totally so, crazy d- does the money in uh, because it always it's always something like that. It's like, uh, well, this guy can't host this Oscars or something. You know, they get paid for that, right? And and, and it's like Oscars, they have advertisers because the commercial, you know, then there's a Nexium commercial on, on the Oscars and they pay big money for that, you know? Yeah. It, it It's just hard to not think that money has something to do with this thing because they don't want to lose money to be associated with this guy. I guarantee these execs don't care. <laughs> you know, they, and, and hey, in their defense, I'll defend them. They're there to run a business. And if they think that's going to affect their business negatively, they cut them. Yeah. I mean, and are they wrong? I don't know. I mean, they're there to run a business and make money. Some of them are no brainers, like, you know, with uh, Subway. Oh, our our major <laughs> spokesman for like fifty six years is a kitty toucher. Yeah. Okay, we got to cut ties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's the most extreme example you yeah. could think of, and that's a great example. So I'll say this. I'll I'll beg the same question. Uh, not. I mean, they're probably against pedophilia, which they should be. Everyone should be. <laughs> but what percentage of that decision is money, and what percentage is it like morals? I you know I'm not going to say it's a hundred percent morals. I mean, some of us like we got to get rid of him. He's going to kill our. No one will go to Subway if we don't get rid of him. Yeah, that has to be part of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, you don't have to nail that down, though. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny. It's funny. I wonder. <laughs> did you do that? <laughs> Speaking of that, there's Jared right there. Oh, I look right over Ivan's left shoulder, and he has positioned my two. To my my Prince don't Adam, get, don't go too far with it. We'll I'm be taken off the air. I'm not. He's just uh. Anyway, they're shaking hands. Yeah, they uh. Two of my action figures are getting along quite well. So <laughs> that just how long has that been that way? That's hilarious. Oh, thirty minutes. <laughs> it's it's fitting that Prince Adam is. That in, was a little experiment. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was going to say. I always, thought, uh, I always thought He Man and Prince Adam were the same guy. Now I definitely know they aren't. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You are two different characters. <laughs> oh, so I guess here's where it gets really subjective. 
Some people saw his stint at Rusk and subsequent rise through the academic ranks as a shining example of someone overcoming a mental illness only to turn around and become a professor and study psychology, perhaps maybe to better understand what he went through himself, right? Sure. Again. <laughs> no, I, no, I agree with that. We mentioned that earlier when we were pre-show stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I think any psychologist, anyone that's studying like the human mind, I mean, they're probably pretty curious about their own mind too, and that's probably why they're doing it. So yeah, I would totally agree with that. Okay. That's a good it makes assessment. Sense. Yeah, definitely. So James never reoffended and by all standards did end up being a productive, contributing, law abiding member of society. Facebook erupted with countless posts voicing solidarity with the beloved professor, with many students referring to him as a mentor whom had changed their life in many positive ways. Hmm. But as with everything, there is a second side to the coin. Sure. Such as if James was unaware that killing his family was a crime at the time, why did he go to such lengths to hide the murder weapon? It must also be noted that at the time the not guilty verdict was read, it is reported that James had smiled widely. And then when court reporters asked him what he thought about the verdict, he said, it pleases me. A crazy person could say that too, though. I'm going, I'm going to, I'm not leaning either way. I promise. Also, all of the psychiatrists who had evaluated him subsequently had shown, uh, noted that he showed no remorse for his actions, Mm. even though they did believe that he had been genuinely mentally ill. It gets dicey. I don't know. And something uh, something else is that Dr. St. James, as far as any public record shows, has never made any sort of public apology or statement expressing any feelings whatsoever about the slangs. Now, it could be he's just really private and he didn't want to. I don't know. But yeah. even at the time, I I didn't find anything. You know, uh, I think he just maybe let the defense do the talking for him. And yeah, and you know, I guess public apology to me, it's like, does he owe the public anything? You know what I'm saying? Even though he's a murderer, even though he murdered them, you know, yeah, who would he be apologizing to? Right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's like yeah. almost like I'm gonna have a press conference and tell everyone that I'm sorry. It's like. I mean, if if you really wanted to tell somebody you're sorry, you'd have to, you know, have some kind of belief in the afterlife. Let's go back to the social media persecution thing sure. where these people, something came out that they said nine years ago, and then they have to go on some public apology tour. And yeah. the next thing you know, they're at a press conference like, I'd like to just apologize for my, my yeah. thoughts and actions. I was not thinking. And I'm like, who are you apologizing to? Yeah, they're they're just apologizing to get, you know, because they're if they're in the limelight, they're making money in the limelight. It, hey, I hate to bring up money again, but, you know, if you're a stand-up comedian uh, and you don't apologize that and people quit coming to your shows, I mean, that's your livelihood. I, you know, I don't want to just say it's about money again, but think about that, like, your careers are ruined, so maybe you feel like you need to apologize so you can, so you can maybe start. I don't know. Some yeah. people don't. Some people never do, and I'm not going to say what the right thing is. I don't. Does it fix? Does it fix anything? You know? No. It's just it's just for face, right? It's just for the other people. I mean, I actually kind of understand whenever, like in the Me Too movement, whenever someone would be. Not one of the crazy Me Too's where like someone, you know, it's like, oh, well, they raped me and six other people. Like, don't go on the public apology tour, 
you know, yeah. I mean, that's rape. But yeah. I mean, like some kind of some kind of comment or maybe maybe some kind of unwanted advance. Maybe the guy like apologizes to the girl, you know, it's like, you know, that means something because you're actually apologizing. But I mean, you have to do that in public. Right. Uh, you know, it's this whole public shaming thing. Yeah. That that people get such a boner for. It's just. Do you think the psychology thing? behind that is that that the people you think you feel better about yourself a little bit because you went on this? Yes. Yeah. I used to work <laughs> with a guy. I used to work with a guy who was OK. But anytime our boss showed up, he inevitably and he did it in a way that was kind of like making it sound like he was joking with me. But he was saying, like, for instance, I can't think of a great example, but he might be like the boss would show up and he would just make some comment like, yeah, well, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit tired. Just, you know, Joey messed up this or that. So we got that all back together. And I would be like, dude, why? <laughs> We both messed up. He would just yeah. say things that would kind of put me down and at the same time elevate himself. So that's the, yeah, right now. or Good thing is people could see through that. Well, yeah. Well, you, but with it's the same thing on social media. So the currency is like outrage. Yeah. And the more you can get outraged and, and, and you know, build outrage towards something else, the more you're kind of like elevated and mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense and it's, it's counterproductive and yeah. Yeah. I just think that, you know, you, I think you do, if you, if you do something or say something or stand up for something, you've got to, you've, you owe it to yourself to say, am I doing that to make me feel better? Or am I doing that to, to help somebody else? If I'm doing that to help myself, I mean, obviously, when you do something nice for somebody, it makes you feel good, so that kind of helps you. But the fact that you help them should be a higher priority than, well, it made me feel good. It put a spring in my step the rest of the day. I get that. That's cool. But did you do that just for that spring in your step? Right. Yeah, so we, we've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think any rational human would, would kind of weigh that in their mind a little bit. And, you know, I'm kind of reminding myself to do that because that's important. Don't feel bad about the world and shame the world. So you can like be, you can like be this separate entity that's shaming the world. And like, that doesn't apply to me. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're part of it too. Come on. Yeah. We all are. Yeah. Buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but. Yeah. It does to me. That's all that matters. Man, you mentioned the Me Too thing. Like, poor, it got so, I don't, hopefully it's not, you're still on social media, so maybe you can tell me if it <laughs> is. This was crazy. But I think the pendulum's swinging back the other way finally. But I mean, at the height of it, like, I even remember Matt Damon got crucified just for saying that there was a scale of things. Like, the woman who was brutally, uh, physically assaulted oh, by yeah. a gang yeah. of men. And then this gal yeah. got maybe on an elevator. Some guy brushed his hand against her backside. Yeah. And people were calling for his head saying, how dare you minimize? But to yeah. me, that was just really, that was the pinnacle of the insanity. Because I'm I'm thinking if I was a female or even a male, because that happens to males too. Sure. If I'm a male that was physically beaten and like sexually assaulted and someone came up to me and said, Hey, I'm with you, brother. Yeah. I know. I know. Uh, look, a guy pinched my butt once. I understand. Yeah. I'd be like, get the hell out of here. You don't well, understand. You know, there, there's a beauty in in the Me Too movement for sure. I mean, any rational person has to see that 
people that were treated very badly and and to the point of you know physical you know I, I don't want to get into the specifics. no I get it yeah but what I'm saying is that gave people you know they felt like oh this is an environment where I can you know I can share my experience uh, you know I don't I don't get the thing where you just like post it I don't know about that but yeah where you feel like you can you you can talk about that you know oh, I've, I've kept that buried for years but. and it helped expose dirtbags like harvey weinstein yeah, yeah exactly and, and even jeff uh who who's the guy that just supposedly killed himself but didn't oh yeah yeah uh epstein epstein like that. Yeah. yeah so i mean there's that's that's a beautiful part that someone could actually and even the people that didn't didn't that didn't that that happened to them and maybe they said nothing but maybe they felt like hey there's some people that are actually speaking up you know some celebrities and stuff saying this bad thing happened to me and this dirtbag did it so it's kind of like it you know i'm i'm kind of like a male feminist because i have daughters and i know you 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 lean this way too sometimes it's like where we you know obviously the world is still kind of male centered i mean it just is i mean let's look at salaries let's look at the power position that males are in. I mean, it's not so like, it's not 50, 50, like it should be. I mean, we still have some way to come to where it, it clears things for women more. Um, I, I wouldn't, I think you'd be kind of obtuse by thinking, well, everything's perfect now for women. <laughs> you know, it's obviously not, there's always, you know, stuff we can do better. Um, but it's just like one of those things. It's like, you know, I just, I, that's what I liked about the Me Too movement. But in that same thing, just like the Matt Damon thing, it's some cases weren't as bad as others. Obviously. I mean, if you have 10, 10 murderers, there's one that was third degree, you know? Yeah. In there, you know? Yeah. Why can't it and be there's that one way guy with... that was a man that was like kind of some kind of vehicular manslaughter? Yeah. You know? Uh, you know what's weird about uh, sexual harassment is it is it's it's really one of the only crimes that is only a crime based on how the victim feels based on whether or not okay let me set this up based on whether or not the victim is attracted to the perpetrator so you know we've seen like romantic comedies before where this guy this handsome guy will just like show up and and sweep the girl off her feet and kiss her and do whatever and it's only okay because he's handsome and she likes him and she's yeah, into him. True. If she doesn't like him, it's a crime. It's yeah. automatically sexual assault or sexual harassment. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it is. It's, it's totally subjective on whether or not the gal likes you. Sure, yeah. And it's it's just, it's like, it's consent. But uh, sadly, some guys should know, based on their track record, that this bold move that they're going to make with this girl might just be assault. <laughs> but think of how many movies end up with the, with the guy just uh, like grabbing the girl and just kissing her. And yeah. then the, the romantic music plays and it's like this big... Well, so no. you're going to say some guy that, that that watches that movie, he's he's thinking, oh, old Janet. Oh, I, I, I like Janet. She never, you know, I've never made a move on her. So next time I see old Janet, I'm going to roll up in there just like Ephraim did, you know? <laughs> You think that you're, are you thinking that scenario might affect a real dude? Yeah, or like even their friends, and the girl likes him, and they do have a friendly relationship, 
but she doesn't see him as anything more than a friend. But he makes this bold move, and she just pushed. What the hell, Brad? Well, you know, I think it, I you know think I mean? every person. I think it just has to do with like, do your due diligence, and uh, you know, there's tons of YouTube videos, and there's advice columns and things that you can read. Uh, call Doctor Drew; he's a cool guy. <laughs> It, you know, he has this call-in show on his podcast. Doesn't he have a podcast? Dr. Drew at no Night idea. or whatever. Oh, I'm sure every damn I mean, so if you're does, not so sure, yeah, say, does. hey, I got this girl named Janet. You know, I'm going to go back to Janet again. Old Janet. Yeah. Good old Janet. Like, here's what I'm thinking about doing. You know, I, I've i never really, you know, ga- gave an indication that I like her. I think I'm just going to go up and grab her rear and kiss her. And Dr. Drew is going to be like, oh, not a good idea, I buddy. would say, yeah, I would say <laughs> never do that. But I'm just saying, and that's an extreme example. What I'm, what I'm saying is, like, it's up to every person that wants to make a move like that to to think about it a little bit. I mean, I know I know we're we're mammals just like any any other mammal, but we're ra- we're supposed to be rational mammals. So I think we should we could lay off a little bit and think. And actually, we could, we could uh, instead of the the crazy thing that we see on a movie that works for Mel Gibson, <laughs> maybe our thing could be, you know, more rational and where we talk and make sure things are going well. And then if you like leaned in for a kiss and she wasn't feeling it, you know, you're good. That's not a me too moment. That's like, oh, you, I was pushed away. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I think. We don't have to be like barbarians. You know, I think that's kind of what gets dudes in trouble. Well, for, for those for those certain gals that do like it when a guy takes charge, this had to have killed that because every I bet every guy is just shit scared to take charge of it. You know, of anything. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> if I, I were single right now in this in this climate, I would have like a, a whole document, like a whole stack of documents, like okay. According to how the date has proceeded so far, yeah. considering our witty banter together, and I think <laughs> you brushed your hand against my thigh earlier, and correct me if I'm not now, was, was am I correct in thinking that that was an intentional move? Okay, now you said it was. Now, whither to therefore seeing that that was a physical contact <laughs> by you, would it be okay then if I proceeded to make physical contact by perhaps placing my right hand against your left breast slightly and then we'll go from there. Please sign here well, and initial here that that would I'm be All I'm saying is like the hippie side, like <laughs> like like make it more about love and not like sexual. Like sexual can come later when you have a developed relationship. So initially, if you've got a one person in a relationship that's like, man, I wish someone would just jump me. I mean, seriously, I think they need to, I think they need to reexamine like, well, that's not realistic. So I think maybe it'll start out with like, you know, some talk and then some kissing and then something might happen. But, you know, it, I don't think, I think as humans, as we, as we evolve and change and as we learn from our mistakes, I think it, it needs to be a, a, more thought out thing in the deal, the, the deal where you just pick up somebody on a Friday night, you know, that could end up coming back to haunt you because she wasn't into it like you thought. And then, you know, then you get the guys like, well, you know, I'm, I'm innocent because that was consensual. Well, I mean, maybe it was, and maybe she's lying, but more than likely uh, I went too far too fast. And, you know, we're not the best at, at gauging the, well, that, that's another 
sad and scary thing is sure. that a girl can make a mistake. She was a willing partner at the time, but the next day could maybe decide I didn't. I wish I hadn't done that. And then all of a sudden, can't it, it can change the dynamics yeah, of it? Where that's true. All of a sudden, uh, I'm sure that's happened. You know, um, from both parties. Yeah. So that's oh, no. Just, no. You're right. I mean, that's 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 the bad thing. I mean, we don't we won't ever just get a hundred percent right, you know, as far as prosecution and things like that. I let's, mean, let's record a Dawn of Mantis date companion episode <laughs> and we'll just do it in sections. And so we're like, press play and then stop. And then we press play again. It's like, so you've made it to the second base. <laughs> the date has gone well and you're in the back seat of your car. Stop though. Take a deep breath. Ask your partner if she's willing to go on any further and please, you know, take a five minute breather to think about it. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, you know what? <laughs> uh, not, not explicitly that, but just the, you know, just like kind of the check, you know, I mean, I think everyone has that anyway, if they'd listen to it like a conscience, like, you know, well, should, should we go this far this early? You know, maybe both, uh, actually both parties should probably weigh those options. I just think if people thought about it a little bit more, I think we would have had a lot less Me Too stuff, you know? I think it's just like, I think it's just like the, uh, you know, just the rash decisions in the moment and just not thinking. And hey, I promise, I promise that I'm no saint, but I'm just saying, like, I think that a lot of this could have been avoided if, you know, both parties would have just thought about it a little bit more and it's like, man, this could turn into one of those crazy cases. That's what's great about being married. Yes. And having been it. married for a long time, you just be like, hey, babe, kids are asleep. <laughs> you want to? And she's like, I don't know. Dinner's not sitting well. I'm a little gassy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, thinking of, yeah, speaking of, I my tummy was kind of hurting all day. And uh, speaking of, let me do laundry. Don't look at my underwear. Let's, let's, yeah, let's skip tonight. Yeah. We'll Maybe tomorrow night. You I know, know. <laughs> Matlock's on, so. Yeah. You know, I've never seen this one. So let's just watch this. Okay. Yeah. yeah you're both good. Yeah. You That's, know? It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it really is. There's no, there is no pressure. There's no. Yeah, that's right. That's it, right. Yeah. There's a, a wonderful sense of of comfortability that yeah. comes along with that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're right. You're definitely right. Yep, you don't have to worry about all this stuff as much. You can just kind of watch and the other people uh, kind of go crazy over all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, about Mr. St. James. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we said he's never publicly made any statements. Is he just a private guy? One last thing worth noting is that if James did indeed suffer from schizophrenia at the time of the crime, he has shown zero signs of the of illness ever since. Now, this is an illness that is widely known to be a lifelong struggle for the less than 1% population who have it. Is Dr. St. James a miraculous story of a mentally ill young man overcoming the odds and becoming a well-balanced, respected university professor? Or on the cynical side... Was he an incredibly intelligent teenager who conned his way out of any punishment for an unspeakable crime? So I got to say this, though. To me, those questions are rhetorical because I don't know the guy. Sure. Yeah. So I have no right to say either one. Yeah. So this is basically. I, I'm rhetorical. leaning away, but I will say that even the way that I'm leaning, I'm very skeptical. I'm trying to be very skeptical and careful because, right, right I mean, we don't know enough about it, obviously. Um. But what I will say is, you know, 
the the data kind of um is there to support the people that supported him because like you said, I mean, nothing else has happened and he's been a productive member of society. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that he's a he's like Dexter. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh but uh, no, I'm serious serious like um you know, we have the data that says, okay, well, he after that he did nothing and he was fine. I mean, what's um so the point to incarcerate someone is uh, they're dangerous to society and then also to serve as an example for others so they won't commit the crime. So we don't know about that part, but you know, he wasn't an incarcerate he wasn't incarcerated and obviously wasn't a danger to society. So no. you have to say that got that part right. I mean, in this case. So put yourself in there sh- like we've been friends for almost twenty years. What if what if you did that when you were fifteen? Like, yeah, what if you, what if I just set you down after this podcast and was like, man, listen, I got something to tell you. There's a reason why you've never heard anything about my dad. I killed him. Oh, yeah. And not secretively like I killed him and I did five years and a juvie thing for it and and I learned from it. You know, like really honestly think I, there would have to be a part of you that'd be like, like a little creeped out by that. And you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I think it would be, I think something would change to some degree but I think ultimately it's it's all, almost like whenever a wife finds out that a husband did something really bad, you know, it's like, oh, no. But then it's like, but they're a good guy and they and they they provide it. And other than this thing, they're basically, you know, uh, I wouldn't say perfect, but, you know, I love them and all that stuff. So yeah. it's like a similar thing, like you've proved your worth to me just by being friends with me for so long so i don't think i could just totally say oh no we can't hang out anymore as a killer <laughs> you know yeah and plus you know i i sub you know, like i said before like when i was talking about the doctors like i support more often than not the professional opinion because i just think about these people that spend all this time becoming professionals and reading like all these you know theorists and you know you know coming up with their own idea based on all these other ideas because really really if you really had to pin a a human down and you had to say what's your opinion on this and they start saying oh my opinion on this is this but you could always say well have you read this this journal peer-reviewed article about this subject so like no i haven't read that well, have you read about when this scientist did this experiment about on that? No, I haven't read that. So basically, any person, any person's opinion could be shot apart if you really wanted to, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But obviously, we don't have enough time. There's not enough time in the day to research all this stuff. You know, there's not enough time to have like super bulletproof, well-informed opinions about things. Um, so the experts do about that one subject. They do have a pretty bulletproof opinion. I mean, not a hundred percent, but well, no, but definitely an educated. Opinion. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and that's something that we discredit sometimes. And, and I do that too. I'm like, Oh my goodness, that person was found innocent of that. That's crazy. Yeah. But there again, as we weren't there, you know, we, <laughs> we don't know all the details. You know, what's funny is I got to, ha- I got to hand something to the, the environment we live in the you know the, the 
we technically the South? Are we the, we're like right yeah, in the kind of South. We're in the Bible Belt for damn sure. Yeah. And something I've noticed in all these little country churches, and I'm sure you did too, these preachers that would come through and revivals and all this stuff, it seemed, uh, and this is a testament, I guess, the worse of a person you were before you got saved, the better testimony you had. Yeah. Like, and some of those people are, are preachers that make a lot of money and they, they go on these circuits and they have a lot of followers and they're, it's like a, you know, you seen the poster in your church, like Reverend David Johnson is yeah. coming this. Oh, we can't miss that. That's the guy that came last year and got us all fired up. Yeah. And I had, I mean, our, we had a preacher once that, I mean, his whole thing was before he had uh, become a preacher and found Jesus or whatever you want to call it. He w- had actually been into drugs and had yeah. been put in jail for dealing. And I mean, now he, he didn't hide that. He talked about it a lot. Yeah, I mean, You're right. I mean, it's like you listen to him a little bit more. Because that was the whole thing. It'd be like, and there I was sitting in that bar at 1 a.m. Reeking of pot and Jack yeah. Daniels and just <laughs> sin. The devil just had me in a scissor lock between his big old red muscly thighs. And then God just came down and said, listen here, Jethro. It's time to buck up, pull yourself up by your belt straps, and preach the word of Jesus. And he said, I threw that, that devil's cabbage down and I, I punched the devil in the taint and said, get off me. Lucifer and I went to church the next day and I and I started preaching and it when people would just be like good god that fired me up we the a, worst person before the better that's amazing all that with that rant was amazing that was straight out of my ass <laughs> yeah you mentioned it but you know if you're just get up there and you're like yeah I uh I don't know I took a piece of gum that wasn't mine <laughs> <laughs> when I was 12. Other than that, I was pretty much just a pretty vanilla kid. But, you know, I started preaching. People like, ah, get out of here with that. Yeah. We want something juicy. We want I something. mean, that that makes sense. It's logical because it's like, you know, if you were just raised in that religion and you've been told your whole life that you should live that way and you do and you do and basically you're just the next generation live, doing the same thing. That's not as interesting, right? Yeah. Ricky Gervais has a good line. Uh, Ricky Gervais, uh, where he s- comes out at the beginning of an act, and you've probably seen this, where he's like talking about how he used to do cocaine for years. You know, he's like, "Oh yeah, I- oh yeah, yeah." And the yeah. and the and he's like, "Yeah, I finally got off of it." And the people start clapping. He's like, "Don't clap for that." Yeah. He's like, if I would have came out and said that I never did any drugs, it would just be crickets. No yeah, one would say anything. Okay, who cares? Why'd yeah. you even say that? Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, that's crazy. Don't cra- don't clap for me. I was yeah, a cokehead. That's brilliant. Yeah, I'll be anxious to listen to whatever the hell I just said tomorrow because I'm tired. <laughs> it's good, guys. Listen, we've we've had like three or four glitches yeah, technical tonight. Difficulties. Yeah, and if forgive me if some of my reading of the notes was was like not that great because I some of these notes I've read like three times tonight. Yeah, because because no. something would happen and we had to redo it. So Ivan and I are pretty wiped out, but uh. Uh, yeah, so I don't even know what I I said something about the devil's taint, I think. I don't know <laughs> what happened punch. after that. But. I said something about a punch <laughs> in that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, with I'm just talking about the worst of a person you were before you found the calling of God or whatever. That's like currency almost. And so... Uh, Have you seen True Detective 1 with Harrelson and no, McConaughey? No, There's a scene, and I'll never forget it. I mean, you don't have to even comment on this. They go to this tent revival. Um, just to kind of look at, um, I forgot why they went. It was like something in the case 
led them to think that maybe some of these people in this tent revival might have known something. So they go and they watch this preacher guy, and he's he's ranting and raving, just like you were saying, like <laughs> that. Not as good, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, McConaughey's character, you know him and him and Harrelson. You sh- you should watch it. The chemistry, it's so awesome. Their chemistry in that is amazing. Um, of course, you're a fan of both of them. I know. Oh yeah. Uh, but at one point, uh, McConaughey said. What do you think the collective IQ in this crowd is? <laughs> and uh, Harrelson, you know, he's he's you know totally different. He's like, would you stop saying dumb? You know, like that. Really? You know, it's like they, that's part of their. You know, yeah. He's like, I'm sick of you and all your, you know, all this stuff. But it was just awesome. I'll just never forget that line because he just went through one of those things and then McConaughey hits that line and and I was like whoa that's amazing. So, uh, whatever you think on that but uh, it's just uh, yeah yeah so uh, I'll my my ending to this is I'm not qualified I like sure. I like the story and it was very interesting but I don't know the guy but by all by all appearances like you said there's been I don't know how many professional psychologists and psychiatrists that said he was sane. He's got almost 30 years at the time of this story breaking of, of people that had worked along beside him and, 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 you know, people that he had taught and mentored that basically unanimously said that he was a great guy. Um, whatever happened back then. Now I don't want to trivialize it. Cause I was going to say, we've all done stuff that, <laughs> I mean, we, you know, I've we've done stuff all, that we've look- all killed our families. <laughs> I've done stuff that looking back now, I can honestly say, wow, I'm not that person anymore. Now, nothing illegal, but, you know, stuff that was immoral and stuff yeah. that was just not not something that a nice or a good person would do. And I, mean, I can the huffing know- glue and stuff like that. I mean, that is a factor. I mean, you're, you don't just totally change into a different person when you do something like that i guess i don't know i've never huffed glue and now i ever will uh but um i will say this um you know the data supports the right decision in this case uh and you said it at the beginning that this is kind of a rare a rare case to where somebody actually gets tried as an adult and then they didn't say anything and then they end up getting out later and they go in society I mean, you said that that's a rare thing. So obviously, most of the time, the system would keep a person like that, you know. But in this case, they deemed them to be. So you would, I would hope that those same psychiatrists and professionals, and I'm probably right. I mean, I'm guessing, but I'm probably right, I guess. Um, most of the time, they would their recommendation would be like, no, this person's not fit to, Yeah, it's not safe. So, I mean, hey, I mean, you got to give it to them. I mean, it's a rare case. They let them go, and it'd be a totally different podcast if it's like, yeah, ten years later, this happened. Right, but no. nothing, as far as anyone can tell, literally nothing ever happened. I mean, the yeah. guy's just been straight laced ever since, and not only straight laced, but you know, a pillar of his, of his community. Yeah, like a mentor to all these people. Uh, can, I'm, can I read just a really? Yeah, really, yeah. go ahead. It's go ahead. only like a paragraph. This is a couple of excerpts from an article that was written by a former student of his named Joel Charbonneau. Okay. I took two of Dr. St. James's courses as an undergraduate. He was an interesting teacher. He pushed students to think for themselves, especially in the honors class I took my senior year. He was smart, engaging, and compassionate when I needed to miss his class in order to come home for an emergency and my future husband's family. 
In my position at Milliken, in his position, I'm sorry, he has received awards for teaching excellence and has countless students who are proud to call him their mentor. Since hearing the news, I've thought long and hard about how I feel about my professor's past and how it should impact his present. Reading the story made me feel ill. My initial thoughts were, someone I knew killed his family. He's now a teacher. That's terrible. But those knee-jerk reactions has given way to something more important, a strange kind of hope that the justice system we as a society profess to believe in really works, that a boy with a mental illness can receive treatment and find a way not only to live a good life, but one that has had profound positive effects on thousands of students. Dr. St. James has not willingly spoken to the media about his past. I can't blame him. But days before I wrote this piece, I sent a message to him offering my support of the new life he has created. I didn't expect a reply considering the amount of mail this news storm must have created, but whatever you may believe of Dr. St. James and his past, in his present, he is a teacher first and foremost. Despite the current news cycle, he remains responsive and available to students both past and present. He answered my email with the same intelligence and willingness for discourse that I remember from his classroom years ago. As one who has uh, the privilege of teaching both high school and college students, I find great good in his commitment to his students as well as his dedication to the profession he has spent his adult life serving does that negate the horror that happened in 1967 no nothing can but knowing that he has devoted his life to a purpose that might save other families from the same terrible fate he visited upon his own to me that is far more justice than most victims receive so that was very eloquently put by yeah a former student yeah no i thought that yeah i mean that that kind of sums up what what i was thinking earlier i mean uh, but that was way better uh way uh a far superior thought but yeah you, you have a knee-jerk reaction obviously but then your rational mind has to wrap around it and be like okay well you know it, did they get it right and obviously we got the data to kind of prove that they did yeah and if in this case if he's not absolved of this then you really d- almost don't have any you almost don't believe in rehabilitation. There has to, and maybe, or you need to just say, well, there cannot be rehabilitation for murder. Yeah. Like if you murder, then that's it. Or you have to like set boundaries or, or make those rules within yourself. Well, so our legal system isn't perfect. It can't be perfect. I mean, it's just the way it is. There's just the probability of a, of an error is just too great in, in any system. But um, I don't know. I, other than the Casey Anthony's of the world and the OJ's of the world. I mean, there's, you know, I would say it's a pretty solid system. And and I pulled up some stuff. I tried to think of this last time when we talked about this, not last episode, but a few episodes ago. Yeah. I was trying to think of this guy and I finally found him, William Blackstone. He lived in, uh, from 1723 to 1780. He was an English jurist, judge and politician. Uh, he had a quote, and I was trying to, I loosely quoted this last time, but he said, it's better that 10 guilty persons escape than one innocent suffer. Oh, that's so, cool. So that's like, that's what I feel like our legal system is kind of based on. And it even talks about in this article later that Ben Franklin uh, kind of uh, repeated this, but he even said it's better that 100 guilty persons should escape than one innocent person should suffer. So I feel like that's the way our system is kind of stacked, you know? Uh, you know, you would talk about the, you know, the Casey Anthony's of the world and O.J. Simpson's. It's, you know, uh, without, beyond a reasonable doubt that they're guilty. And if it's not there, uh, if the police botched it, if the evidence just isn't there, if whatever, you know, um, you would hope that professionals in the legal community, um, and if you have some hotshot lawyer that's really good and they get someone off, 
their charges. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was going to let it go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, good, I guess. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't seem good, but, it you know, that's kind of the way the system is. It's like, well, I mean, you had one job to prosecute them, and you were beat. I mean, it, it's like, you know, it's not always the person that's right would always win, but I would think that the system kind of lean is kind of targeted to where – you know, most of the time it gets it right, but then there's those extenuating circumstances. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm thinking back to our DNA exonerations episode. <laughs> there, uh, DNA uh, pulled the veil off of a lot of wrongful convictions. And, and, you know, and the good thing about that is, is that the DNA stuff that empowers the system even better. Yeah. To where Blackstone's original, rather ten uh, guilty escape than one innocent suffer. That's actually making that ratio closer to what you would like mm-hmm. to yeah. where it's making the innocent person not suffer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I was trying to talk about before I was glad I was able to pull that up. So William Blackstone, I bet there's some good reading there. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think I did a paper on that one time. I think that's why that was kind of in my head. Oh, cool. Bit. I love the quote. Yeah, no, it's great. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's all I have on, on, on Mr. St. James and okay. to anyone that may listen to this, that had him as a professor or anything, I really tried to stack it in a way. No, no, you, you, you threw it out there fair and factual and. Yeah, but I think can, the. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I cut you off. No, I was just gonna say I'm mean, a fair factual. It's. I mean, it. You didn't have a vendetta against him from the beginning. No, and I would think that the man's behavior and reputation, and the way he's lived his life over the past however many years since that happened, that's testimony enough for me. I mean, yeah. I, and I I think about say, think about like you know like the Mind Hunter show on Netflix and you know the FBI profile people that went out and like talked to these people that committed these crazy crimes. I mean, they learned a ton from them. So wouldn't you think you'd learn from a professor that went through that emotional, whatever that was? He's got a unique perspective. That's right. Like I, I would be shocked if people from the FBI and other behavioral science people weren't trying to pick his brain after they I find mean, this I mean, looking out. at some of his papers, I mean, sure, a lot of professors, you know, they, they, you know, do those articles, journal articles and things like that. I mean, that's part of their job, I believe. So, uh, in a lot of cases. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's some good, um, reading material for yeah. a young FBI pup. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> sure. They call them pups. Yeah. That's, that's my official a rook, terminology. A rookie. A rookie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, that's, that's it. it yeah. That's it. That's all I got on the guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is our episode for tonight and we'll talk to you guys next time. Night.